Hey, well, good morning, everybody. So good to see your faces. Hey there. Thanks for joining us online. We're so glad that you're here today. Man, what, what a year it was, 2021. Hello, it's over. Anybody glad? Let's go. Feels like season two of 2020. Uh, but man, I tell you what, even for all the challenges that we had in 2021, we saw some really cool things around here, didn't we? Amen, somebody? Like we saw God do some really cool things. We, uh, whether it was through our student ministry, excited about pause next week, some of you guys, y'all ready? Let's go, come on. Um, whether it was through our student ministry and the lives that we've seen change, the church that we started in Nicaragua, um, and the movement we've seen down at Elevate City at our Sandy Springs campus. It's been a really, really good year. And of course, we culminated all that uh, on Christmas Eve. Anybody here for Christmas Eve? Wasn't it good to be in the house together? You remember last Christmas Eve, we were like outside in the parking lot. You remember that? Because we couldn't get inside because of the COVIDs. And so we were back and man, we just did this, I just kind of painted this picture of the mosaic of Christmas and how all of it came together just to point to the person of Jesus. And if you haven't seen that, you should jump online. Um, but, but I want to start this year by asking this question, hey, what's in your view for 2022? Right? What is in your view for 2022? Like, what are you looking for? Like, what are you hoping happens? Um, what dream do you have? Um, what, what do you hope to avoid <laughs> is another thing to look at. What is it that you're expecting or anticipating? What's the thing that you're planning for, thinking about the most? Like, what is in your view in 2020, 2022? Because it's really important. There's this principle in life that we all know. You go where you look, don't you? You've learned this. You go where you look. This is why we teach our kids, like when you're walking through the grocery store, watch where you are going. Why? Because they're going to look at the cereal that's on the bottom row, that uh, fruity pebbles, and they're going to run into somebody and hurt themselves. What about this one for you guys that play golf? You don't, any, you don't want ever anybody to say, don't hit it in the water. Why? Because you're going to hit it where? In the water. Why? Because that's where you're focused. That's where you're looking. What about when you're driving and someone says, don't hit that pothole? What happens? You hit that pothole. Exactly. Why? Because you were looking at the pothole. You go where you're looking. And we're in this season that we're going to call follow season. Let me hear you say follow. follow. Let me do that again. Let me hear you say follow. follow. And, and the idea is that we need to be sure who we're following and where our eyes are focused. And Jesus said this. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, 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 if you're not a fisherman, you don't really get that. And Jesus said that to fishermen, but here's what he would have communicated to, in our context to people like me and to people like you. He would have said, follow me and I'll lead you to a higher level. Follow me and I will lead you to the deeper truth. Follow me and you'll have more. Follow me and you'll have more purpose. Follow me, you'll have more meaning. Follow me, you'll have some more joy. Could we use some joy in the house today? Like, like follow me, you'll have more peace. Like, follow me. And then things begin to come into focus clear. It doesn't necessarily mean that things get easier, but what it does mean is that we find purpose even in the struggle or even in the battle. Now, we have this propensity in life to get distracted. Have you noticed this? We get distracted and we have so many great things to distract us. Man, there's Netflix that we can binge on. There's social media we can watch, right? Man, there's restaurants we can go to. Um, there's sporting events that we can go to. Man, there's so much that we have in our culture to distract us. And if we're not careful, we'll stay distracted. And so what's going to end up happening this year, even though there's a lot of unknowns, there are some certainties. And one of the things that's going to happen to you, one of the things that's going to happen to me is we're going to face some battles, aren't we? 
Like we're going to face some distractions. We're going to face some speed bumps. We're going to face some roadblocks. I mean, just this morning, the next variant of COVID came out. You've heard this, right? We're going to face it. And the question is not, do we glance at the distraction? The question is, how do we get back on the road? How do we get back on the road? So what we want to do today is just kind of unpack what does it look like for us to pave the way into 2022 that we don't allow ourselves to stay distracted, but instead we live with this deeper sense of purpose that God's up to something in our life. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in a story in Second Chronicles. So you can go ahead and grab your Bible. Also, you'll notice in one of the cards that you have, there's kind of the highlight of the verse for today. On the card you'll see, and I'm going to explain a little bit about all the things that are going on and what we're doing. But you'll see in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, it says this. It says, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us, but we do know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Okay, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Anybody experience that <laughs> ever? Can you say the last two years we've experienced that? Hey, hey, the reason why this is true is the reason why Google has 5.6 billion searches every day. It's why YouTube is an $11 billion uh, company. Why? It's because people don't know what to do and they Google it on the YouTubes, okay? And, but what we're going to see today is man, if we put our eyes on God, something special happens, something dif- different happens in our lives, but we want our eyes to be on God. What does that even look like? Cause you may be in a season, like you may be just kind of figuring it out. You're spiritually unresolved. Like what does it even look like to put my eyes on God? Or you may be in a season where you're going through a battle, through a challenge, or you may just be trying to start the new year, hoping that something good happens. What does it look like to put our eyes on God? Now, let me just paint the context for this particular story in the Bible. Now in this context, we're looking at a guy named Jehoshaphat. Say that three times quick. Uh, Jehoshaphat was a king of God's people. Now, God's people, their kings had this, had this tendency to just be evil. Man, they would get power hungry. They would worship other gods. They would lead people away from God. But Jehoshaphat actually turned out to be one of the good kings. He's one of five good kings in what we call the Old Testament. And he led people back to God. He led people to follow God's word. He led people to worship God. And so you would think that his life would go good, wouldn't you? Like, don't you think your life's going to go good when you do the the right thing? Like when you tell the truth, when you're nice to your spouse, man, when you don't curse in traffic, like, don't you think things are going to go your way? That tends to be how we think. But we're going to see a little bit different in the Bible today. Now, one of the things that we always do is we kind of grab the Bible. We believe that you open God's word, God opens his mouth and that God kind of has this ability to speak through uh, his words that are written in the Bible. Also, you've got a journal in your seat and I would encourage you to grab your phone and your camera because I'm going to say some amazing things that are going to be on the screen. You're going to want to take a picture of it. You don't want to miss it. Amen, somebody. And so um, let me, let me just kind of, so again, Jehoshaphat has decided to follow God. And this is what happens in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. It says, after this, after he made this decision, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with some of them, the Meunites, they came against Jehoshaphat for battle. So men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. So, so Jehoshaphat has decided to do the right thing. And the next thing he knows, there are these three armies coming against him. Now, any one of these armies could have taken out Jehoshaphat and and all of God's people. He's facing 
three of them. It was the equivalent of the modern-day Chinese army. That's how many soldiers were coming against them, and it was going to be a rout. It was going to be like the Falcons playing anybody. It was, it was going to be bad. And so he doesn't know what to do. And I think that for, for all of us, we need to just have this category that life is a battle. We need to have this category that life is a battle, that it's not about us doing good things and life turning out. Like God's plan for us, it's not that we'd be healthy, it's not that we'd be wealthy, but that we would belong to him. Now, now life can be a battle. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed how sometimes we just are surprised when bad things happen? Anybody like that? Like you're going somewhere and something bad happens, you're like, I can't believe this just happened to me. Like I, I left early, I did all the right things, I ate kale, I've saved money, I've been prudent, I don't have any debt. Why, why are bad things happening to me? And so we, we can be surprised when things happen or we can just be fatalistic. Have you ever met anybody that says this? This always happens to me. Like always, really? They subscribe to Murphy's Law. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. Now that's not true either that, because we all have known times of blessing and God's favor in our life. But life can be a battle. And odds are we're going to face a battle this year. You know, it could be in your health. It could be that you, like me, friends that I've known, uh, just recently got diagnosed with something that's very difficult to handle and something they don't know exactly how to move forward. And it could be financially that you're going to face a battle financially, whether it's in your job or whether it's through some investments or whether it's through planning for your future. And it could be you're going to face a battle with anxiety or an emotional battle with depression or stress. It could be that you're going to find yourself in a place of discouragement or disappointment. Listen, we're going to face a battle. But, but the beautiful thing about a battle is it has a way of clearing away what's not essential, doesn't it? It has a way of peeling back what really matters in life and helping us to see the way forward. And what we're going to see today in Jehoshaphat's battle is that God shows up in the battle. And that's the most important thing that we could learn. Because if we don't have a category for battle, we're going to think one of two things. Either God is bad or we are. We're going to think God doesn't care for us. God's not going to, God doesn't have good for us. Or we're going to begin to think, this, all, this is just us. This is my life. I'm deficient. God always comes through for them and God never comes through for me. But life is a battle. Now watch, watch how Jehoshaphat gets kind of refocused. As we see over in verse uh, three in chapter 20, it says this, it says, Jehoshaphat was afraid, of course. He set his face to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So in this, you have this word seek is used three different times. And seek, just in the Bible, sometimes you'll see it said this way, hey, seek the face of God. So that feels a little religious. We're not really sure to use that, how to use that. We don't use that every day. So when it, if you think about when you seek somebody's face, you want to do what? You want to get their attention. If you get face-to-face with somebody, you want their attention. So this is what Jehoshaphat is doing. He's like, I am getting God's attention. Another, this, this is said another way. The word for seek actually means to beat a path towards Beat a path towards, like get there as quick as you can. 
It's this idea of studying for an exam when you have it coming up. You don't want to leave anything on the table. You want to be planned out. You want to put forth the effort to have the knowledge, to turn your face, to get the attention of God. He wants to be sure that he is looking in God's face so that his eyes are focused on God. So that is the direction that he's going in. And have you noticed whenever you look at something and it's just awe-inspiring, you just have this, this desire just to kind of stop and stare at it for a little while. Like, how many of you guys have been to the Grand Canyon? Right, so you guys have seen what it looks like. Man, you stand on the edge of that. Like, I can't even get to the edge of the stage thinking about it, right? You stand on the edge and you look out over this majestic creation of God. And your, your heart and your soul is just captured by it. And, and, and you just, there's nothing you can, there's no response other just to be in awe about it. What, what about a sunset? Like, one of the only good things about winter is that sunsets are so much more beautiful and as you watch the sunset and you just captures your attention and your affection and you just simply want to stare at it. What, what, about, what about the scoreboard when your favorite team wins? You just want to stop and stare at it. Now, I know Atlanta, we don't know a lot about that. And that joke did not go over very well. Because <laughs> you're all worried about the game tomorrow night, I know. That's why you came to church today, if we're honest, right? Do y'all want me to stop and pray for Georgia right now? Is that what you need? Because <laughs> if you're an Alabama fan, you don't really need prayer, do you? You got a proven track record. Uh, just took the win out. But, man, we stop and we stare and we look and God gets our attention. This is what, Je- this is what Jehoshaphat does. Man, he just stops and he turns his attention towards God. He does three different things that we're going to look at that actually help him to get the attention of God. Let's look in verse 5. It says, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And then jump into verse 12. It says, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that's coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know, it's been said that when we get on our knees, man, we, we, get, we get in God's face. And the first thing we see Jehoshaphat do is begin to pray. Now, now you didn't come to church and are surprised that I would say we should pray, right? Like, everybody in the room knows this. As, that great, as the great theologian Jim Gaffigan said, even atheists pray when they lose their children in the mall. Like, like we know that we should pray, but many times it falls in the category of should do and not have to. It's kind of like flossing your teeth and eating your vegetables. Like we know we should do it, but we don't always pray like we should. And there's some reasons for that. I think number one is we don't really know how to pray. You know, most people don't know like what does it even mean to pray? Like if I were to ask you to pray out loud in a group of people, um, I mean, your hands would sweat and you would get sick to your stomach, like because you wouldn't know the words to say. Another reason that people don't pray is because you prayed and it didn't happen. You still didn't get that job. That relationship still was destroyed. That that person still didn't make it. And we've prayed and we misunderstand prayer and we think that just because some things don't happen the way that we want them to happen that we have all the answers. 
And we're all going to go through times where prayers don't get answered the way that we think we should. And it shouldn't mark us for the rest of our lives, but it should drive us deeper into a relationship with God. I prayed for something from August the 1st to December 31st, and it didn't happen. And when I say pray, I mean I prayed every single day, even on the weekends. And, man, it didn't happen. Does that make me believe in God less? Of course not. Man, but it makes me want to understand God more and change my soul more and to dive into him more. Just because God hasn't answered your prayer doesn't mean it's not where the action is. Jesus' brother James said this. He says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, now what James understood about prayer, that like this is where the battle is. When it says great power in that verse, it literally means that is where you engage the resistance. That prayer is where the battle is. That prayer is where we're supposed to start. Prayer is how we get God's attention. And so he gives us a little bit of a model of prayer. It says, the first thing he says in verse 6, he says, Are you not God in heaven? So, so when we pray, the very first place to start is by just acknowledging the greatness of God. Now, many times what happens is we jump into prayer with what we need. God, I need this. Come through for this. Here's my problem. Here's, here's my battle. Here's my roadblock. And we jump in rather than just acknowledging, hey, this is about God. Like God is first. God has created this world. God has numbered the hairs on my head. He's the reason we have blood in our veins and our hearts are beating. This is because of God. And think about this for a minute. If God is in charge, that takes a lot of pressure off us, doesn't it? All right, it takes a lot of pressure off of us having to perform. So Jehoshaphat starts with, are you not God in heaven? Then he says this. He says, did you not, down in verse 7, he says, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people and give it to your friends. Like, haven't you already come through before, God? Like, isn't this something that you did before? So what this is, the next thing, if you, if you need a pattern for prayer, obviously the first one, start out with God, the, second, the glory of God. The second thing, gratitude. Just tell God what you're thankful for. And, and sometimes when we, when we aren't grateful, man, our lives are really small. Have you ever met anybody who's ungrateful? <laughs> and even though... Not, not to negate a negative experience they're going through, but, man, when you're not grateful, what happens is your soul shrivels up and you have no capacity to give to others and you just become greedy and small. So we just have to remember and just write out the things that we're grateful for. We have to just tell God the things that we're grateful for. Hey, the fact that you got up and it wasn't raining yet, it was pretty amazing. You can be grateful for the fact that you have air to breathe, the fact that you have a job to go to if you do, if, if you, you know, the fact that you have friends to sit with, the friends around you, the fact that you have a God who loves you. We just always have to be grateful to remind us of what God's done. And then he gets to the third knot. He says this, will you not? Will you not come through? Will you not do the things that you've already promised that you would do? Then he's not questioning God's ability at all. He's just asking God to get involved with this problem. So at that point, that's when you say, hey, God, won't you just come through for me? Could it be that this would be something that you would do? Could it be this is a prayer that you would answer? Could it be that this is where you would rescue me in this moment? So let me ask you, like, where do your eyes go when you find yourself in trouble? Like, what's the first place you turn? Like, is it a certain person you call and say, oh, my gosh, life is, my life is falling apart? Or maybe you start writing out the, pro, the pros and the cons of where you are to help you make the best decision. 
or maybe his YouTube, whatever it is. Like, what's the, what's the first place that you go? What Jehoshaphat did, man, his, his go-to, it was God. That's why he says it. He says, we, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. So if you had to think about your prayers, how are your prayers of today shaping your 2022? Like when you think about what you're praying, when you look back over what you prayed for, uh, if you prayed, like how are they shaping 2022? Like another way to look at that is what if, what if, what if all you got in 2022 was what you prayed for? Like what if that's all you got? So maybe you'd avoid food poisoning because you'd pray over your meal. (laughs) Maybe you'd avoid traffic because you prayed for you to get where you're going without traffic. Like, is is that the shallow level of where you're praying? Or, man, are you praying that God would do something unusual in your life and come through? That God would shape your perspective on how to see the world? That God would help you live with this purpose and meaning? That God would help you be someone who brings glory to him? That God would help you have influence on your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers? That you would be a better dad to your kids to set them up for their future? That you would be a better wife to your husband to help him succeed in things God calls him to? Like, what if, like, what if all you got was what you prayed for in 2022? So Jehoshaphat prays these things and he uses this pattern of prayer. It's a great pattern for all of us to use. And then, and then we see that he also did this thing called fasting. In verse three, he says that he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. <clears throat> so he, he combined with prayer, he combined fasting. And so, so um, we tend to think that fasting is like for the Navy SEALs of the Christian world, don't we? Like it's for the superheroes, It's for the elite of the elites, like Sean Curry, right? I mean, it's for those up here. And a few months ago, I actually kind of taught on this, and I did a really poor job. So I'm going to redeem myself right now. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. So fasting, fasting is just going without a meal, okay? So we tend to think of fasting as anytime I go without anything. But in the Bible, fasting is going without a meal, so we say things like, I'm going to fast from social media. Now you fast, you, you, you sacrifice social media. Why? Because you're an adult. That's why. And you have a vision for your life. You may say, I'm going to fast from Amazon. You do that. You sacrifice buying things on Amazon so you don't end up in bankruptcy. But that is not fast as the Bible sees it. Fast is going without a meal. It's, it's me taking something that I normally do that I love doing. Anybody in here hungry, by the way? Let's go right now. Let's, I mean, I, I am not going to eat. It's that simple. And so we see this happen throughout the Bible. It's a common practice in the Bible that people would actually fast. Now, fasting's kind of come back in vogue now. It's not as weird as it used to be because we have intermittent fasting. Anybody practice intermittent fasting? Wow. Um, we have a very unhealthy congregation, Sean. We're going to have to <laughs> Now, but you know what it is. You go, you go roughly 16 hours without eating, and then you eat, the meals you do eat, you eat in this eight-hour window. And that is a type of fasting. But let me talk about, it's not the biblical fast. Let me talk about what's going to be added to that. But what, what is it? What is the fast? Why do we fast? Is, it, is this normal? Is it expected? And yes, it is. So what we see in early church is that the early church fasted. Man, they fasted. They went without a meal on Wednesdays and on Fridays. And some of you maybe grew up Catholic. You probably only eat fish on Friday. Some of that comes out of this heritage of fasting. Um, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. This was intense. 
That is not the norm. And I think sometimes we think that that's fasting. Generally, the early church and even the Bible, they would fast for, you ready? You know how many meals they would fast for? How many meals they would skip? One a day. One. Just one. Like some of you do that when you're busy, right? We do. They would skip one meal a day. Now, what they would do is they would combine that with prayer, and we'll talk about that. Jesus, 40 days, 40 nights, hey, don't be an overachiever. That one would be harmful, okay? Don't do that unless you, like, get the audible voice from the Lord, and then it would be okay. But the normal practice is just one meal a day. Jesus also said this. He said, um, there's this, there this sermon that Jesus gave. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest sermon that we have of Jesus. Jesus went through and he kind of recast how we see following God. And he would kind of speak to our motivation. So he said something like this. He says, you've heard it that you shouldn't murder. But what I'm telling you is if you hate somebody, it's the same motivation as murder. So he kind of sh- shifted it. And in that sermon, he had three things that he assumed you would do. He said, when you pray, don't pray so everybody will hear you. Pray in secret. So your heavenly father will know that you prayed. So that's a, that's a given. He said, when you give, he says, when you give, don't do it in front of everybody so you can get patted on the back and people think how generous you are. You should just give. And then he says this, when you fast, all three, really common, really expected from Jesus. And then you had that whole 40-day thing where he kind of blew it out of the water for, for, for us. This, by the way, is where we get the idea of Lent from. Anybody heard of Lent? You grew up Catholic maybe, and you you grew up and you gave up something for Lent. And and that would be a sacrifice. You may have given up drinking for Lent or given up sugar for Lent. That would be more of a sacrifice. It's not necessarily a fast. But if we're honest, if we're honest, we're a lot better at fast at Fat Tuesday than we are Ash Wednesday, aren't we? Like Ash Wednesday is when that fast starts. We're a lot better at the celebration before the fast called Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras. Like some of you grew up in Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras country like I did, and it got out of control, didn't it? They took it way too seriously. Now, now, part of our struggle living in North Fulton County is we don't like to deny ourselves. We like to indulge ourselves. Anybody feel that today? Like we like to overindulge ourselves. How many of you parents bought too much for your kids this Christmas? How many of you have gone to a restaurant and just eaten more than you should have eaten? How many of you have gone to the Avalon and bought way more than you should have bought? Or the outlet mall? Like we just have this propensity to overindulge. And I don't know that being in this culture is necessarily bad, but when this culture has us, that is bad. And one of the ways that we can resist consumerism is through the biblical mandate of fasting. You know, we all have appetites. We have different appetites. We have appetites for food. We have appetites for sex. We have appetites for, you know, when we get thirsty, we have appetites to have a house, a roof over our heads. We have appetite to have clothes. Man, we have these appetites. And what can happen is like appetites can just get out of control. And they're a little like children. You have to keep them in line or they'll take over your life. And so when we say no to one appetite, food, what happens is that trickles over into every area of our life. So we learn to say no. Now, what makes missing a meal a fast is when we meet with God. You see, fasting is 1% missing a meal and 99% meeting with God. 
That's what, and it's not the fact that we just abstain, but it's the fact that we use that time to step in to what God was doing. We use that time for prayer. We use that time to set our focus and our eyes on who God is. And by denying ourselves a meal, what happens is we, we, we salvage some time in our day to pray, but also because we'll get hungry throughout the time and we'll have a hunger pain or maybe our stomach will rumble or we'll get hangry and we'll look, you know, and, and it's just a reminder that we should focus our attention on God and that we, sh- and that we should pray. And so the, it should be a common practice in our life. And I'm going to get to some of the practical aspects of it in a minute. Now, now we're going to take 22 days right here to start a 2022 to fast for 22 days. One meal a day, right? You, you would pick the meal. Now, now, the way the early church did it is they would have fasted the middle meal of the day. So they would have fasted from sunup to sundown. So sunup meaning you would get up and you would have your breakfast and then you wouldn't eat again until dinner. And so you would use that lunch time, the time you, you'd use that lunch time to just take some minutes to pray through whatever the challenge was in your life. So we're going to do 2022. We're going to do 22 days in honor of 2022. We'll start tomorrow. 22 days will put us through the end of January. Now, now one kind of caveat to this, I realize there's some people in the room who may have some health struggles. That'd be a problem. Um, there's some whatever's going on in your health. And so then you begin to get legalistic, like, well, what's a fast and can I do this? And what if I can't do that? And how, many, how much can I do? And what if I stop, right? You'll know, you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll know what's pleasing to the Lord. Do it to, based around your health and your challenge. Hey, another issue that we've seen and that we face in our culture is people with eating disorders. It doesn't feel like, abstaining from a meal would be the healthiest thing for you. And matter of fact, not just healthy, but could be destructive for you. And if that's you, what if, what if just before your mealtime, you just expanded to include an extra 15 minutes, like I'm just going to pray into that. I'm going to pray into the meal. I'm going to ask God to deliver me from this disorder. I'm going to do the things that I need to do. But I think, I think God would honor that. Now for the rest of us who don't have some reason to not fast, like, like why wouldn't you fast to start 2022? Like, like, what would be a good reason? Like, you like food too much? <laughs> or or you, just, you haven't planned it out? Or, or maybe there's just some other reason, like it doesn't fit your schedule? I think there's some ways that we could, we could ad- adapt to that. But if we missed one meal a day. So, because what fasting does, it increases your level of intensity in whatever you're praying for. How many of you have heard of high-intensity interval training? It's all the rage now. Anybody? Yeah, you guys get it. So for those of you who don't know what high-intensity interval training is, it's when you go as hard as you can, you exercise as hard as you can for about 30 seconds, and then you take about three minutes break. And, man, your heart rate goes up. It feels like it's going to explode out of your chest. It's amazing. And then you just take a break, and you do several sessions of that. Now, what, what that does for you is it makes your heart more efficient, it makes it more efficient, your body more efficient at processing oxygen. You actually lose weight for four hours after one of those kind of workouts, like while you're doing nothing because you already did all the work. It improves your VO2 max. There's a lot of health benefits, but you can't do it for a long period of time. And this is what fasting does. Fasting raises the level of intensity for whatever it is that we're asking for. So if you have a big decision to make, you should never change jobs. You shouldn't get married. You shouldn't uh, buy a house without taking some time to fast 
and to pray over it. Man, when you face a great battle and you don't know where to turn and you're not sure how to get God's eyes, get your eyes on God, you should fast. It should just be part of a normal season of life. It's not just for the spiritually elite. It's how you become spiritually elite, if we're honest. Fasting. And some of us who grew up in maybe more of a Protestant heritage, we didn't really learn this. For you Catholics, you kind of got that. And maybe for wrong reasons. And so, but it should be a normal part. Jehoshaphat prayed, Jehoshaphat fasted, and then the last thing he did, man, he, uh, he worshiped. In, in verse 21 of this chapter, after the armies have kind of organized, they're about to come and get him, and they're about to just take them out to the woodshed. It says this in verse 21. It says, when Jehoshaphat had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him. He appointed him in holy attire and they went before the army and they said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judas that they were routed. So what happens is they go to battle and he puts the choir out first. He puts the worship leaders out first and they begin to worship and it throws the enemies into confusion where they actually take care of each other and they actually wipe out each other. And God's people didn't even have to fight because God fought the battle for them. And this happened in worship. You see, worship is kind of what leads the way into battle. There's, but there's this saying that says worship is God's love language. That when we begin to worship, God begins to show up. God begins to fight for us. God begins to step in. You know, and I think that's why worshiping in person is so important. And I get we live in a different culture now, don't we? We live in a different age and we have different things to consider about gathering. And whatever gathering means for you, you should do that this year. Like you should make a commitment to do that this year. We're here every Sunday, just for the record. <laughs> but if that doesn't suit you, man, decide what will suit you. There's a, there's a phrase in the Bible that says God inhabits the praises of his people. And so what the image you get about that is that, man, when we begin to praise God, that God just begins to show up. God begins to settle in over us. God begins to sit on his throne in our midst so that we give him glory, that we give him honor, that we make great something that already is great. And if you think in your mind that your praises are actually building this throne for God to show up in and to take care of your life, what, what kind of throne is your worship building for God to do something new in 2022? Like if worship is the context where God's going to show up in your life, like what kind of throne would your worship build in, 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 in life? Like you may be, if you're today and you're just kind of new, kind of figuring out, because we always have people who are new and just kind of stepping in, don't really understand about the Bible and worship. Like when we sing, we're singing because God is great. And we're created to worship. And we worship in a lot of different ways. If you see someone raise their hands, the reason they do that is because this is the sign of victory. Hello, football fans, right? Like this is the sign of victory. It's a, and, the, and the battle belongs to the Lord. Listen, what if you started 2022 with God in view? With God in view, if he was your primary. Now, what I'm going to do is I, wanna, I want you to pull out this card. You've got it. Everybody has one in the journal that's in your seat. If you would just grab that card for just a moment. And I just want to kind of walk through, as I've already explained, you know, we're going we're gonna to take 22 days just to fast, man, just to take one meal off a day to focus our attention, our affection on God. Um, and I want to just give us three different things to pray for. 
Um, you'll notice number one right here on your card that says Stone Creek Church Fully Fund Beyond. Now, Beyond is this two-year journey of increased generosity that uh, we've been on to multiply our kingdom impact. We've started our, you know, a church in Nicaragua. We started a campus down in Sandy Springs. Man, we've sponsored Compassion Kids. Um, we've invested in our online infrastructure. Man, we've made a lot of progress over the last couple of years. And so our Beyond initiative is over at the end of April. So roughly four months, three and a half months now, but roughly four months. And so we want to fully fund the $8.25 million that we had expected to get on that. Right now we're trending about 10% behind, but we really believe God's going to make up some ground. So I want to ask, and if this is your home, right, if this is your place, that you pray that with us. That, man, that we believe in what God's going to do in the, because we got so much more work and there's so many people. Man, I, you talk to people, I talk to people every day. They're without hope, they're without joy, they're without peace. They have nowhere to turn, they have no direction, they have no God to worship. Man, and we have a mission to reach them. And so we wanna be sure that we fully fund beyond. The second thing you'll see is that our Elevate City campus to find a, a place to call home. You know, our Elevate City campus has been meeting in some temporary rented space. It's our campus down in Sandy Springs and we've just seen some radical stories. I mean, some stories of people on the brink coming home. And they got an email the week before Christmas Eve that that Christmas Eve would be the last time they could meet in their space. And uh, after a little passionate uh, pleading. Uh, they had today is actually their last Sunday in that space, but next week they're going to move into this temporary space. And so we need a place for them to call home. Man, and we are one church, Stone Creek. Man, we want to lock arms with them just to pray with them. Now, it, it feels a lot more desperate for them than it does for us because our building is nice and our lights are cool and our projectors work and we got permanent chairs that we don't set up. So it feels a lot more desperate for them than for us. But what if for 22 days we just locked arms, man, just to pray that God would do something special and provide for them. And then the third one, man, you just fill out your own. Like, what is the battle you're facing? Like, where do you need God to come through? Man, where do you need to see some victory this next year? So go ahead and grab your pen and let's fill that out. And what is your personal prayer that you need? You know, it could be that you're facing um, just some relational conflict. Man, you could be struggling with anxiety and God hasn't seemed to get you over it. It could be that you, uh, um, man, you're looking at a vocational change. It could be a move. There, there's so much that you could be facing this year. And what would it look like for you to just put that in there to pray over the next 22 days? And then you'll notice on the back, it's just an opportunity for, you, for us to just be able to pray with you. Now on the back, you can scan and do all this online. There's a QR code. But if you would put your name and either your email or your phone number in there, you'll get a text or an email from us every day, just a word of encouragement, just some next steps, just some spiritual direction. And then just note on there, hey, will you fast for one meal a day? And so go ahead and take opportunity to fill that out. I'm going to ask, um, as we worship here in just a second, we're going to have some baskets across the front. And ask you to just come place those in the basket. As a staff team, we want to be able to pray for you and pray for all these. Also, we want to get you some tools that could help you just to lay the groundwork for 2022. So go ahead and fill that out. Now, there's one last verse I want to read, one last point I want to make about this passage and about Jehoshaphat and the battle. Um, down in, the, down in the text, after, after the war was over, the battle had been fought. It says that 
they defeated all three armies. Then they took three days to gather the spoil from the army. That's the way they did back then. So they gathered everything, um, the goods, clothing, all the precious things they took for themselves. It took them three days because it was so much. And then it says this, they renamed the valley of the battle. They renamed it blessing. That the place of battle, God turns into a place of blessing. Amen. And the place where you're going to find the most problems is the place where you're going to find the most power from God. If you'll just turn your eyes to focus on him and get your eyes on him and offer your problem. Man, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Let's pray together. Hey, God, thanks that you're a God who answers prayer and who shows up when we don't know where to turn, that you see the battle coming before we do, even when we're oblivious, when we're distracted, um, when, we don't, when we're not paying attention to you, when we lose focus of you. And God, I just pray for the battles in the room right now, for those who are struggling in their marriage, just wondering if 2022 may bring a divorce. God, that you would just breathe some life into them. God, for those who are struggling maybe with rebellious teenagers, and God, those who are dealing with health struggles and problems that never seem to go away. God, with people who just can't seem to get one foot in front of them each and every Monday. God, for people who may be facing a financial struggle, God, and they just don't know exactly which way to turn and how you're going to resolve it. Lord, for people who are just looking for purpose and realize that you're doing something in their life, but they feel confused and aren't sure exactly where to turn. God, you just give us this opportunity, man, just to start the year by building this solid foundation where we can't be swayed, God, that our roots sink deep into you, God, that you will always hold us up and help us in the battle. And God, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.